This is Patrick Esmond White with Canada Reimagined. This episode, the best of health. The COVID pandemic was deadly, and hopefully it's over. So, what did we learn? First, we know that panic and death was unavoidable once the virus got loose. As we grasped the fact that a pandemic was upon us, Canada quickly pivoted to the question of how to respond. We all recall the confusion, the enforced isolation, the mask debates, the fear. We've learned a lot since then. That's the benefit of hindsight. Now, a pandemic was not a surprise. Several decades ago, I was part of a Canadian interdepartmental working group planning on how to respond when a pandemic arrived. Experts told us that it was inevitable. Read your history. These things are a matter of when, not whether. We put all kinds of procedures in place. But planning for a crisis is a bit like having a fire extinguisher. It can sit there for years, dusty, half-forgotten, past its expiry date until suddenly it's needed, and then you just hope it works. It didn't. Pandemic planning was like that. The meetings tapered off when a bird flu didn't materialize. Dusty plans were not updated. Stockpiles of medical supplies ran low. Budgets were trimmed in the name of cutting government fat. When COVID arrived, Canada had to play catch-up. Our politicians urged a science-based approach. But of course, nobody knew exactly how the virus was transmitted when we started. We started strong. When people got sick, they got health care. Then reality set in. The elderly, the poor, those with existing health issues all suffered the most. Soon, the system was stretched to the limit. Health workers paid a price. Many victims died. That's what happens in a pandemic. But in our defense, we knew very little about COVID. The whole world fumbled through. We did too. Generally, Canadians felt good in comparison to Americans. There, people died at three times our rate. But that's what we expect. A significant feature of American exceptionalism is that it encourages a distrust of government and science. We know the memes, I want my freedom, or I did my own research. That was said by far too many dying victims. Our self-congratulation was misplaced, however. Over time, reality sunk in, deeper and deeper. Our early warning system had been gutted. We had no capacity to manufacture vaccines, let alone masks. Our political messaging was chaotic. Confusion reigned. What we got was an x-ray of the Canadian health system, and it revealed how broken it is. The warning signs have long been visible. Hallway medicine, long wait times, prescription drug deaths, the shortage of family doctors, just to name a few. We ignored these signs because Canadian health outcomes are better than those of our neighbor at half the cost, but that's never a yardstick we should choose. A half century ago, Canada introduced the single-payer health system. Tommy Douglas had proved it can work in Saskatchewan. It does. It's popular. But compromises were made back then to win support for a single-payer health care system. Provinces kept responsibility for health. Most doctors were allowed to remain in private practice. The billing system became a mirror of for-profit health care. Those political compromises are at the root of all our problems today. It's a crazy, mixed-up system, totally, uniquely Canadian, and it's bureaucratic. 
we actually have 15 different systems. As a result, Canada pays eight times as much for administration as other national healthcare systems. We only look good compared to, and you got it, our southern neighbor. So consider your family doctor, if indeed you have one. Today, the notion of a family doctor making house calls is so quaint. We have to sympathize with those doctors. Family medicine is a turnstile with less prestige and less income than specialists. They're hostage to a billing system that defines how they care for their patients. It's all about billing. Most family doctors own their own business and know exactly how much they can bill for every service. They schedule appointments one problem at a time, since this is how the billing system works. If you have two medical issues, they prefer two appointments. Now, sure, doctors are flexible, they're good, I'm exaggerating, they do their best, but they keep that turnstile going. They need to bill to cover their costs. As gatekeepers, they send patients through the turnstile to specialists. Family doctors barely scratch the surface of what they could do with all their training. Most family doctors don't even get to deliver babies, the miracle of life. No wonder too few med students dream of family medicine. Our single-payer system simply doesn't work for the one in five Canadians who can't even find a doctor. And even for those of us with a doctor, a third can't get an appointment within a week. The shortage of family doctors is especially bad in poor and rural communities where few people have health, drug, and dental plans. Our First Nation communities, the situation is especially dire. Our health care is broken. The x-ray shows it. We all know it. There's also a shortage of specialized doctors. There aren't enough operating rooms. Many surgeons work far too many hours in a row putting patients at risk. Hospitals rely on residents, doctors still completing their training, who work for minimal pay. That system is broken. And we have a shortage of nurses. Even before the pandemic, it was estimated that Canada would be short almost 60,000 full-time nurses by 2022. Many were then nearing the age of retirement. With nurses now burned out from the pandemic, the shortage is even worse. It's a huge problem. You hear we need more hospital beds. Well, not so fast. We have the irony of hospitals with empty beds unused because there are no nurses to work the ward. The provinces, meanwhile, struggle to provide services. Every province is different, some better than others. All provinces plead for federal money, and Ottawa has been opening the vault while demanding transparent results in return. Don't hold your breath. The problem is much more fundamental. The entire system is in flux. It's a fixer-upper. In Ontario, Premier Ford is opening hospital operating rooms for for-profit medicine, apparently paying 50% more for the service that's billed to taxpayers. It's a transparent attempt to undermine the single-payer system. Now, I hear lots of stories of healthcare where the single-payer system covers the basics, but for a little bit more money, you get the best. Sometimes it's just a scam. Now, private clinics may clear up the immediate backlog in knee or hip replacements, but it's medical whack-a-mole. The doctors and nurses have to come from somewhere. Every time the staff and money go to for-profit medicine, other parts of the system lose staff and money. Whack-a-mole! And no, wait time for hips and knees and other procedures are not acceptable. There's simply got to be a better way. 
Now, as if all that's not enough, complicating everything is the ongoing revolution in medicine. New scientific knowledge, diagnostics, procedures, and pharmaceuticals arrive almost daily. Doctors need time to keep up to date. But new technology is often way too expensive for any but the largest hospitals. Yes, we all want highly trained specialists to operate complex and expensive equipment in the major hospitals. We all want the latest, the best. When we can get in, we do get the best. But wait times are outrageous. One thing the pandemic did was force doctors to up their personal technology game. Amazing to think that fax machines are still in use. Telemedicine is a reality now. It has potential and shortcomings that we need to grasp. In short, Canada's health care system is at a crossroads. Major changes are needed, dramatic changes. Now some fixes are obvious, if highly improbable. To start... Logically, health care should be a federal responsibility instead of having 15 systems. No, I know that's not going to happen soon. When we compare Canada to other countries, we'll likely find it's not all about money. Statistically, Canada's overall health costs are similar to most other democracies measured as a share of GDP. But our health outcomes are worse than most democracies. Money is not the main problem, despite the bleating of provincial premiers. We spend too much on 15 sets of bureaucratic services. That's waste. It would be so much more cost-effective with uniform standards and services for all Canadians. Healthcare could be efficiently planned in a logical national system. To design a new system, Canada could examine national health care in other democracies. We could adopt or adapt best practices. There's lots to learn, and we can learn from our own experiments. Lessons from British Columbia deserve a long look. In many democracies, doctors and nurses are on salary. They negotiate fair pay and fair working conditions rather than being self-employed. This seems obvious, but also unlikely. Next, a national healthy citizen strategy is needed. This strategy would promote policies that keep people healthier, fighting poverty, reducing junk food, and encouraging exercise. Think about healthcare as supply and demand. There's a huge demand because too many people are unhealthy. There are ways to cut the demand for services by having healthier citizens. That's a priority. Dental care, eye care, and pharmaceutical drugs should all be universally available as an efficient way to reduce overall costs. No citizen should go without any of these. The recent agreement between the Liberals and the NDP is a very small step in the right direction, but oh so small. Now, of course, Canada needs more family doctors and nurses. One option would be to accept fewer foreign students in our medical schools and train more Canadians. Foreign students are a source of revenue. Canada's priority should be to train nurses and doctors with the right skills for Canadians. We should give priority to medical students who work in remote or underserved communities. In the short term, many foreign-trained doctors and nurses live in Canada and could be accredited. There are apparently thousands of foreign-trained doctors who can't get a residency 
or a path to practice here where they wish to live and have the citizenship or immigration papers in hand. Of course, those with questionable credentials have to be weeded out. These new Canadians, with healthcare training, however, need a chance and we need them. There's a similar situation among nurses. Another immediate fix to attract qualified healthcare workers would be if Canada were to offer full accreditation and fast-track citizenship to undocumented American doctors and nurses. These are people stuck in citizenship limbo because of Washington politics. They're the children of illegal immigrants, so-called dreamers. They have, by definition, unblemished records and solid credentials, but no passport. They might come only long enough to work, get citizenship, and leave, but it would still be a win-win result. An even easier stopgap would allow nurse practitioners a much larger role. It actually already happens, and yes, they can only do so much before calling a doctor. Most nurses can handle regular checkups, order diagnostic tests and prescriptions, and refer patients to a doctor as needed. Family doctors could have more time for the patients who need their expert attention. Pharmacists are now able to prescribe some drugs. That's good. It's efficient. For a number of pharmaceutical drugs, it's low risk. One positive sign is that medical records are migrating from paper to databases so technology can improve efficiency and avoid abuse. That too is good. Canada must continue to expand telemedicine. Our geography is so vast, only technology can extend services to remote communities. Telemedicine can save time and money and allow our health to be monitored electronically and increase efficiency. Yet another good. Of course, everything I've described requires changes in how services are paid for. Most doctors should be on the federal payroll rather than on a fee-for-service free enterprise system. Again, best practices from around the world. We need to learn. There are ways to fix the system. And finally in all this, Canada must invest in science. The pandemic showed us that health is a global issue. All countries share a responsibility to support both basic and applied research and to maintain essential supply chains. The pandemic shortage of PPEs and vaccine production was a wake-up call. It's exciting that a revolution in medicine is in fact underway and Canada is part of it. Canada's healthcare has proven to be resilient, yet politics gets in the way. It's time for a measured and systematic overhaul and for the modernization of Canadian healthcare. It's time for a national public healthcare system. Where's Tommy Douglas when we really need him? You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White. My thanks to Tom Platt for the theme music, Tom Evans for my artwork, and technical support from Mike Backen. I'm also pleased to have joined Harbinger Media. Back again next week. Take care. Take care.